Welcome to the Enterprise Mobility Roundup Podcast, brought to you by Blue Fletch. We discuss technology topics related to Android and workforce devices and how they intersect with business and mobility. This is episode 226. We're joined by Richard Makerson and Brett Cooper, where they will look at the factors to consider before choosing tools to secure mobile devices in the enterprise. Welcome, Richard and Brett. Uh, thanks for joining us again. I got Richard Makerson and myself here. And today we're going to talk about, uh, this is an interesting one, but the uh, how to choose the right tools for enterprise mobile security. I know, Richard, we, we, are, uh, we were sort of joking about this before, the, the question of uh, what is the best car to buy and why? Right. You know nothing about my family. Do I have uh, parents living with me? Do I have kids? Do I have a dog? Are we active? Is it snow? Just, you know, tell me the best car and why. Go. What, what am I going to end up with? Toyota Camry. A gray Camry. <laughs> gray Camry. Or a white Camry from the West Coast. White Camry, got it. Or, or Florida. Florida where it gets hot. All right. So the, the things, I guess just to frame this a bit, one of the things we were talking about was, you know, in the enterprise, what are the, I guess, to your point, what are the questions you have to ask to yourself, or you actually have to go through and evaluate to figure out what are the um, the the metrics or the variables that are involved in picking your tools or your tool set. So for us, the I guess the first one was what are your device types? Tell me a bit about that, or walk that back for me a little bit. Yeah, so that's helpful. So you need to know what people are going to be using. So mobile is um, a very broad term now. So is it actually mobile devices or is it laptops? And if it is mobile devices, are they BYOD devices? Are they corporate-owned personal use? Are they um, specific, you know, rugged devices that are shared, like pooled devices? Um, you know, now you can uh, manage devices at the edge. So are you managing printers, IP cameras, sensors? So knowing which devices you're going to use and how you want to manage them uh, is, is, de- is the first step for me. Yeah, it sort of goes back to the iOS versus Android. It's probably the, the biggest question we get, which is another another can of worms to open up. Um, I guess one of the other things around that is the, the the second area we talked about, which is pretty important to think through, is security posture. Like, what is your security posture? And when you when you think about that question, what are the things you will typically ask or look for around just security and how how people want to have? Uh, we, we, we term it as posture. Yep. So it's, you know, is there a hill that legal and um, your chief security officer, is there a hill that they've already determined that they were going to die on? And so, you know, what risk are you comfortable um, having? You know, depending on the industry, like it can change. You know, what you may see in retail is a little different than what you would see in logistics, especially if you're working for um, an airline at an airport which is very different that you would see from something that's highly regulated, like uh, utilities or healthcare. So understanding the security posture and the risk profile of the organization uh, is, you know, a great next step. And I think the other thing, too, is lo- locality. So in Europe, yep. in Europe, you have much different standards. Cal- California, which is probably worse than Europe. And sorry, Californians. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think a lot of the policies that are being put in place definitely have – impacts on what you have to do. I think like the phrase, the, the hill you have to die on. The The third area we talked about was application landscape. And, and, and for me, um, yeah, the app landscape, I always think about it, start out like, what are your apps doing? But for you, like, what are your, when you think about app landscape, what comes to mind? I know you're probably more on the developer tech side than I am. 
Yes. So, you know, being responsible for putting applications out there, you know, when you come off that hill or when you're, you know, when you're Moses and you come with those 10 commandments of what we'll do from a security perspective, um, it affects the type of applications that you can have. Right. But, you know, generally speaking, you know, is it, you know, are you a big SAP or Oracle implementation? And so we're, you know, we're using only SAP applications. Um, is it homegrown applications? Is it a mix of homegrown and third-party applications that are available to everybody? Um, certain risk profiles, um, certain companies said, we're just going to build everything. And so, you know, we know for a shadow of a doubt that if something happens, it's on us and it's not, um, you know, something that a third party could have introduced. Or, you know, a lot of applications today use open source libraries. And so, you know, the security posture of some organizations is, you know, no open source. And so that really limits their ability to choose a, a partner to have a third party uh, application with. So just knowing that risk profile helps to filter out how we're going to build these applications and determining the mix of them. Would say would say thanks log for J for ruining for the rest of us. Well, it's only that specific version, but yeah, like that. That's a really good. been fixed for like three years, and people's weren't patching. People weren't patching. I mean, that, that's a, a whole another podcast around. Was that Equifax or the same thing? They had like a three year old unpatched. Yep. If, if you're yeah. not comfortable deploying software when something happens, it's just going to become more and more uncomfortable. So that's a, a muscle organizations definitely need to exercise. Patch your software. Do it. All right. Uh, the next area we talked about was identity and identity systems, identity providers. What are you know the questions you'll typically ask somebody when you're giving counsel or guidance around uh, identity provider platforms? Yep. So you know we've determined the device types. We've understand the risk profile. What are the rules that are governing us? You know we understand how we're going to build or deliver these applications. And so, you know, then looking at identity providers, you need to know who's going to have the features that can support those different layers that we we went through. Um, you know, some organizations get, you know, can get really crazy with some of their setups because they'll have legacy on-prem um, identities or active directories that they're managing, but they want to also manage their devices in the cloud. But, you know, they have... Um, Okta or Ping or what have you in the middle because, you know, not everybody is going on-prem. Some people are on cloud. You got a mix of users. You have, you know, you have corporate users. You can have consultants. Vendors. Vendors. So um, just understanding who needs to do what, when, and where um, and how you want to implement that helps you narrow down, um, you know, what identity provider you want. Yeah, if you had to pick like the top three you see the most, what do what do those look like? Uh, see Okta a lot, see Azure AD a lot. Um, it's a natural transition when you have on-prem uh, Active Directory moving towards uh, the cloud. We see Ping Identity quite a bit. Um, almost always we see RSA when it comes to two-factor authentication. Um, Cellpoint is another one that we see. Don't see it that often, but we do see it with some big companies. What about FIDO tokens? You seeing those at all for identity, identity management? I, I do. Um, a lot of your larger tech companies, you know, definitely do that. Um, I think FIDO tokens are becoming, are starting to become more commonplace as you know, corporate workers aren't working like 
in a secure location that you badge into on a secure network. Um, we're, you know, working from home a lot more. We're on the road a lot more. And so, you know, to support those devices, I think we're going to see a lot more of those um, uh, FIDO tokens or like physical access keys that you use um, to help identify you. Zero trust. I don't, I don't trust my home network and my kid, my kids are on there. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are they, what are they downloading on the iPad? I don't, I don't trust it. You don't so. trust yeah. your network and your network shouldn't trust you. There yeah. you go. I think for a zero trust that you just need a poster of your, your kids sitting on the couch, downloading stuff on your computer. <laughs> uh, man. Um, so the next, next area we talked about was the support. So the, the fifth area. So the, how do you support your devices? What do your support organization look like? For you, what are the, the questions you'll commonly ask folks? What are the things you're looking for when you try to use that to help guide what tools to go select? Yeah, so um, it starts to lean into the like standard operating procedures for an organization. So, you know, if I'm a retailer and you know a hurricane comes through, or somebody drives a bread truck into a power line, and now my store is offline, um, what happens? You know, what type of service are we going to provide? Uh, so just understanding those edge cases um, helps to understand, one, how we're going to build applications. Um, I start to understand your risk profile. You know, there's certain organizations we've worked with, um, with our Blue Fletch Enterprise launcher that, you know, everyday scenario, I have, you know, this type of uh, login to get SSO and if I'm, you know, if I need a failover, if I need a, a local login, you know, here's a... Um, a redundancy path. And so, um, you know, not every organization requires that or, or needs that, but it just depends um, on what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I, I always think it through the, uh, the operational trade-off of what it costs to build that infrastructure to support offline scenarios versus some. There was a architect, I think you and I both worked with Drew Engel, who's a uh, awesome dude, but I, I think he was, uh, I just remember him like, preaching and, and saying, you know, if, if this bad situation happens, you have a hurricane, um, you know, we're spending you know, X million dollars a year on backup infrastructure. Is it cheaper just to give product in the store away? And I was like, let's never thought of it that way. But like when you start looking at operational costs versus actual infrastructure costs, there is that trade off there. And it's really important to think about, you know, if I'm supporting things, how do I make it you know, the, the most cost effective and still have the best customer experience? Um, the, the next area we talked about was existing tooling. So what's, what's already there when you start poking around and thinking, what is, what's your existing tooling? Where, where does your question stack start? Just understanding, you know, how they're doing things today. Right. Um, you know, a lot of these companies have been in place for a very long time. And so there's a lot of technical debt that needs to be serviced, but also may not go away. And so, you know, understanding, you know, what can get replaced with, newer systems or newer solutions um, and what can't move or what, you know, may physically need to stay on premise just because of, you know, going back to point, what was that, uh, two with security posture, um, you know, understanding that uh, roadmap and that landscape helps you understand, okay, how are we going to go from where we're at today to, you know, our future more secure um, position. Got it. And uh, I guess when you're, when you're thinking about those cost benefits, do you normally recommend people rip out? And this is a pretty open question. Do you recommend the rip stuff out or are you like one piece at a time guy? Like how does that work for you? It, it depends on the organization. Um, oftentimes we can rip out uh, 
systems as we go along, usually the hurdle is the organization's appetite for um, wanting to spend that money. And so, um, you know, it's sometimes hard to provide an ROI um, in one area where, you know, you know, certain leadership who's approving it, you know, may or may not care about it. So I think it just depends on the risk profile of the organization. Also it depends on like how much are you actually ripping out. So if you have, you know, uh, a very desperate organization, multiple systems, you know, you've gotten through acquisition and it's kind of bolted on, you probably want to go one at a time just to make sure that if something does fail, that you can have redundancy or it's not going to, you know, break the entire organization. But if, you know, everybody is in this one box and you're just going to another one, then it just makes sense to do it all at one time. Yeah. My, my favorite is the, the company that's bought 10 other companies and has 10 different systems. And they're, the idea of, of buying and acquiring and rolling these things together is to get scale from consolidating systems. And they don't do it. I'm like, this, you could have just left them as 10 companies. We, you're, you're not making any operational improvements. So yeah. Yeah, you, got, you do have to start doing it sooner or later to get, get your money's worth out of it. So, um, Richard, I appreciate you covering these for me today. The, the key ones is recap. So thinking about device types is number one, your security posture. So, you know, if you're healthcare, HIPAA, if you're retail, PCI, if you're in California, whatever new regulation they have that week. The third one was application landscape. So are you buying apps? Are you building apps on your own? Are you, you know, do you have legacy apps you're rolling together? Um, the fourth one we talked about was identity management. So what is your what is your source of truth? Do you have employees, vendors, contractors, customers? How are you managing all those identities together? Uh, the fifth area was support. So your support tooling, how you trade off you know, uptime versus downtime, uh, operational security versus actual uh, you know technology security. And then the sixth area was existing tooling. So understanding, you know, what what your landscape looks like for your tools and your systems and how that works together, what when you replace things. So, you know, back to the original question of you know, what is the best security system? There, there is no best security system. So it is you, know, you have to look at your situation individually and say, these are the things I need to be successful and then make those decisions and do the trade-off for the cost benefit. Yep, it depends. And you gotta do the legwork to you know, do the research and don't be afraid to talk to the vendors and those companies and ask, you know, can they, can you talk to similar companies? Um, you know, the one thing that bugs me is, you know, I get asked that question and, you know, organization has spent a year, um, you know, poking around a system, but hasn't talked to the company that they're poking around with, hasn't talked to other customers. And so, um, you know, you can do that. It's okay. So yeah, that's a good pointer. A- ask your vendors. They will, they, they will help you out. Thank you for covering this topic today. Appreciate it. And uh, if anybody has any future topics they want us to cover, just uh, reach out to us at info at bluefudge.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Enterprise Mobility Roundup podcast. If you enjoyed the discussion, please take a few moments to rate us. If you'd like to listen to future episodes, please subscribe. To learn more about mobility topics or submit any questions, visit us at bluefletch.com.